IFM Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. Well, good morning and welcome to another action-packed, literally action-packed uh, edition of Tech Talk right here on High FM. And today we are talking about all sorts of interesting stuff. And the title of today's show is The Robots Are Coming. And stay tuned during Tech Talk Cafe around about 11.20 today. I'm going to play you something that blew my mind. And I'm sure you will be absolutely amazed at what's coming. It's all about artificial intelligence. It's all about what computers are going to be doing in the future. And it's been a big week. It's been a huge week, in fact. Google had their I.O. conference in uh, America, and this is their main developer conference where they set out all their new um, updates, all their new activities, all the new tech that they're going to, you know, debut during the course of this coming year. They also give all the developers access to all the new tools and tricks and toys and things that they need to develop and build for all these new platforms and stuff that's coming out. But more about that at 11.20. But at the same time, interestingly, and um, one followed the other, was the Microsoft Build, which is their developer conference, which does exactly the same thing for all the people working in the Microsoft ecosystem. And the trend definitely is towards smart everything, towards a so-called artificial intelligence, and towards Windows being everywhere. And Interestingly, for the very first time at a Microsoft developer conference, it wasn't all about Windows. It wasn't all about, uh, you know, the latest version of Windows, although there's lots of news regarding that. But the truth is, it was all about cooperation, collaboration, what you can do online, offline, on your laptop, on your tablet, on your smartphone. So, again, we're going to go through a little bit of that, just give you a little bit of insight into what is coming in the tech world in the next 12 months to a year or even a little beyond because some of the announcements for for me are groundbreaking. We're going to see huge, huge changes in how we interact, how we work, how we deal with um, computers going forward. And in fact, um, that takes me directly to my lead story of the news today. Our friends, FNB the bank, had an event yesterday, which was really interesting. And basically, they were talking about, you know, the evolution of banking. Now, banking is something pretty much everyone does. It's almost, in fact, it's virtually impossible to operate in the modern economy without some form of banking service. I mean, the rise of of virtual banking through cell phones like M-Pesa throughout Africa, you know, the whole informal economy definitely needs to connect at some level to the formal banking economy. And there's multitudes of platforms and services and ways and means that have popped up. And I mean, places like Korea are in fact driving cash out of their systems. They're working hard towards a cashless society. In fact, I think they're moving to the point where they're going to actually stop producing coins. There will be no more coins. Everything will have to be electronic. Everything will have to be done in a contactless way or in a way that does not involve cash. So we are definitely heading towards a technologically driven world where cash may be king, but it'll all be virtual cash. It won't be the real thing. In many ways, that's not a bad idea. I mean, if you've got a cell phone, if you've got a a phone, if you've got a watch, if you've got some form of technological gadget, which... Again, maybe not so much for Africa, but certainly in the developed world where you're talking 70 to 90% of the population with a smart device, 
You're now talking a whole different way of interacting, a whole different way of sending money, using money, spending money. And um, FNB announced just a little bit of their view of where this is going. And basically it all revolves, not all, but mostly revolves around their app. So from now, as of now, you can open up an FNB personal or business account by taking a selfie. So if you just thought selfies were pure vanity and that was the only way to to describe it, you know, everyone's a narcissist and they're using their their cameras to take all these fabulous selfies of themselves. Well, they've come up with a seriously smart, easy way to do it. And essentially how it works, you have to download the app. Now, let's say you are a bank. You aren't uh, an FNB, you know, you client you don't bank with fnb that doesn't matter you download the app you can open it up go to the section that says open an account and go through the steps you take a selfie and what fnb have done which is really 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 smart they've interfaced the their entire system with the um the home affairs electronic system and your face and your information gets verified through that platform so they gave us some stats. Apparently, once the platform opened up last night, or it was the night before at 11 o'clock, two people signed or two or three people signed up almost immediately. And it took them between one and two minutes to open up a brand new bank account. So you use the camera on your front camera. You use the app. It takes a selfie. It opens your account. It verifies your identity. It then uses the GPS in your phone to uh, <clears throat> link to you know verify your location and if that location matches your registered address on any database anywhere it doesn't have to only be the home affairs database they're linked to all sorts of other databases it then verifies you no fika no nothing all done you you your face is verified with your id obviously they check your id number minimal data is needed and bam there you have it you've now got a bank account they can give you your bank account number almost immediately within that minute and you can immediately start sending money to and taking money out of that account should you instantly have had some money in that first five minutes but what they're also offering which is really smart is that shortly well it's not available yet but in the next couple of weeks or months as they said as soon as they finish testing you'll be able to get a virtual credit card online now a lot of us do online banking and often there are a number of platforms that allow this, PayPal being one of them, where you can make payment using your credit card without ever showing your credit card to any platform. Now, there are a number of banks around the world, and FNB are obviously following that trend, where you can create a one-time virtual uh, credit card. So the credit card that you carry around and use in your daily life is not the credit card that you use online. You either create a separate one that you keep for online, or every time you want to do a transaction online, you create a new virtual credit card, credit card number and everything. Use that, wait for your goods to be delivered, and in that way you never ever expose your main credit card to any form of theft or or hacking or anything. So clever, 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 clever little features. But that's not where FNB stopped, which is quite interesting. They really are pushing quite hard. They've got a new thing called the Nav app, which or the Nav section in their app, which allows you to um, check your financial health 
and track your spending and do all sorts of really interesting things. It's basically a dashboard to your financial well-being. Played with it a little bit yesterday. It's been available for a while, but they've sort of integrated it better. And there's no question that it's really useful. It almost tells you when you're overspending that month based on your your average monthly income. And it's just a great little dashboard to keep control of your financial life. And... Um, you can also get a credit, a snapshot of your credit status. So if, for example, you're thinking about buying a new car or getting a new washing machine or something, and, you know, sometimes it's it's terrible. You, you go there, you, try, you apply, and they tell you terribly sorry you have a, a, a judgment against you or something you didn't even know about, and it, it's super embarrassing and actually very a little bit traumatic in many respects. But here what you can do before you even think about it, you can then check it on the NAV app app, which is built into the FNB app, um, and you can see exactly where your credit rating sits. Not that it's either good or bad. It's not uh, They don't give you a lot of detail, but it certainly gives you a nice little um, snapshot of where you are right now, and it can also give you information on how to improve your spending habits, tips for late payments, how to track your record, and all sorts of interesting stuff. And this is where it starts becoming super, super interesting. FNB can see from your activity. In fact, it worked for me. I tried it. I tried the selfie thing. I wanted to open up a business account. I didn't open up a business account as it so happens because I stopped the process. Um, and the next thing, when I got home, I get a phone call from a gentleman at FNB. It's hi, Mr. Ambrose. We noticed you tried to open up a bank account. Uh, and uh, can we assist? You didn't finish the process. So it really really, really is well integrated into the entire system. And from their side, it improves sales. And from your side, makes your life more convenient. And we'll be back straight after this with some more little uh, benefits of the new FNB app and the new platform. And, um, uh, you know, fill you in on all the latest. So we'll be back after this. Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose, 11 to 12 p.m., only on 101.9 IFM. Well, welcome back. And on with my little explanation of what I heard from FNB regarding their new app and their new platform. Basically, they've also added a whole new FNB travel section. Had a look at it briefly. Um, they've really expanded it dramatically. They're turning into a full online travel agency um, with lots of extra functionality. For example, you can once you've set everything up, you can search and compare flights um, across all airlines, not just the ones that they're offering special discounts. And you can pay using your FNB card, e-bucks, or both. So if you've been saving up e-bucks uh, over the last little while for that special trip in December, you can use your e-bucks and top it up with cash. And what is even smarter is that the app knows from your profile all your dependents, everyone you've done, everything can be booked and done pretty seamlessly. So they're really working damn hard to try to get the whole experience through the app, not only for banking, but for everything else, like eBucks Travel, to be really, really, really smart. And Jacques, their uh, CEO, made a really interesting point at the conclusion of the whole you know, presentation. Essentially, what FNB are looking to do, and where I think all financial banks and that are going, is that banking is becoming a platform. Basically, they need to cut back on all the admin and all the the nonsense and everything that goes on with banking. I mean, think about it now. Opening up a bank account can be a hugely traumatic exercise. But if you use the sort of facial recognition, the selfie um, system that FNB have got, they take care of 
all the fika, all the identity information that you need. And that links across absolutely every product that they have. Even in a business, if you, it's, that function is not available yet, but it will be very soon. Even if there are three, four partners in a business, all of you get verified. All of you get um, all your information verified through home affairs and everything through the app. You never need to do it again. You never need to be hassled again. If you need a credit card, it can be plugged in. If you need a home loan, it can be plugged in. No paperwork or minimal paperwork in many, many, many instances. And a seamless experience of banking and all the financial stuff that you need and don't need to do. So banking as a platform, the core platform has been revised. Mentioned that it was huge legal work to get everything done in such a way that the core of all the um, legal agreements you have with the bank is taken care of once and after that there's simply a little addendum that is agreed to online or over the phone very quickly and easily essentially what they're trying to do is cut down on the sheer mass of paperwork and hassle involved in banking and um, i must say that's probably one of my pet hates in the world probably yours as well all these paperworks and every time you open a new account they need a copy of id a copy of this a copy of that a million different pieces of paper and you always seem to forget just that one that will finalize the process just before you finish so you have to go home pick it up come back major pain in the neck but he's the whole Jacques Lear said that the whole purpose of this is to create a core, core sort of platform and all the banking services then, everything they do from travel to rewards, that's something else that they're offering, instant rewards for good behavior. They're starting to sound a little bit like uh, discovery vitality. Oh, they are associated in some level or another. But anyway, they definitely are operating far more technologically savvy than pretty much any bank I've dealt with. And it, it really does show they may also mention a really interesting stat. Around about 30% of all card swipes in the country um, of FNB card swipes. And they're working on a new platform, which is a type of QR code platform, which will make things really easy. Not ready yet for Apple Pay or those others, but essentially they are looking to try to keep you away from cash as much as possible. Do everything through the app. Do everything on your phone and keep it clean, slick, and frictionless. They they want to be the Amazon of banking. That was their sort of overall um, message. They want to keep it as simple and as clean and as smooth and as quick as possibly can. So check out, if you're not an FNB client, you can actually switch with a selfie. Quite amazing idea. Um, and if you are an FNB client, download the latest app. All the new functionality is there. Um, you can actually have a look at it. You can play with it. You can see what this NAV thing's all about. It's really quite impressive how much information they've got. And the last real point they made is that all these data points, all this information, exactly what happened with me, I initiated through the app because I'm a client. I'm logged in. I initiated to open a new account. I did not finish the process. Immediately they knew this. Someone contacted me, offered me help. They can pick up so much information from your behavior and um, it really uh, can assist to make your life a lot, lot, lot easier. And talking about information, I think we need to switch to something completely different. You know, Facebook has been in the news for all the wrong reasons over the last little while with Cambridge Analytica and all these other things that have been happening. And Facebook are actually, well, 
the good came out of all this. It's been really, really, really interesting couple of weeks as they've tried to navigate their way through all these data breaches with over 60,000 South Africans having their data sort of pulled into the whole Cambridge Analytica thing and being used or misused. Maybe they didn't use too many because we didn't, not many of us voted for Trump one way or the other. But essentially, um, all this negative press around Facebook and privacy and the coming of this new GDPR privacy law in uh, end of May in, in, in Europe has had a really galvanizing effect in many ways on Facebook. They've completely revamped their, their privacy policies. They've made them far more apparent in both in the app and online. You can check to see what's going on. You can see what sites you've given access to. You can see who shares your information. And it's well worth taking an hour sometime to do just that. But what Facebook are also doing, because this is another huge problem globally, um, Locally, everywhere, fake news, fake profiles, and and the scamming of the various social media platforms, either for money-making through advertising or through lots of other different ways. Well, Facebook said it took down 583 million fake pro- profiles in the first three months of this year. And usually, their systems have got so good, they can do it within minutes of their creation. So... They also went through 837 million pieces of spam and acted on two and a half million instances of hate speech. And it's really doing everything it can to try to keep Facebook sort of true to its core of letting people share, enjoy without too much nonsense. And I must say, I've actually noticed over the last three months, there's definitely been a downward turn in some of the absolute rubbish stuff that has popped up in my timeline. I'd be very interested to see if anyone else has seen anything like that or even noticed that they're seeing far less nonsense adverts and nonsense uh, posts and and sort of just generally or getting requests from some strange people like James43721 wants to be your friend, stuff like that, and he's mutual friends with two people. If you've noticed that, I'd be interested to hear from you. You can SMS me on uh, 34519. But um, generally, I think Facebook and all the other social media platforms are doing a a good job. I won't say great yet, but they're doing a good job at trying to clean up their act, trying to protect your privacy and stop all this unnecessary spam and fake stuff popping up in your timeline and just generally polluting your mind with all manner of nonsense that uh, we pretty much don't need to see at any point in time. On that note, we're going to have a quick break for uh, some adverts, and then we will be back with my little take on how the robots are coming to get us and what's happening in the big world of Google and Microsoft. Hi, FM Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. <laughs> welcome back. I think we had a microphone switch off there quickly. Anyway, welcome back and welcome to Tech Talk Cafe. This is when we normally have interviews with some really interesting people. This week I was away. I didn't get a chance for any of that. But it was a good thing because there are two, as I mentioned earlier, there are two events that happened in the last week which are seriously, seriously, seriously interesting. The first is Google I.O. That is their main developer conference. It's an annual event held in the USA, and normally it's sold out within a couple of minutes of it going live. But it really is a chance for Google to show all their developers and the world what they've been working on, what 
their new technology is, how they're going to enhance a whole host of stuff that they do, and what to expect from Google over the next little while. Now, there's very, very, very few people I know, and certainly for myself, who does not interact with Google multiple times a day. It doesn't matter if you're a iOS fan on your phone. It doesn't matter whether you're an Android fan. It doesn't matter whether you use Windows or Mac. The f- simple fact is you land up either using Chrome, interacting with Google Search, you use Google Maps. It's almost Virtually, again, we use that word virtually impossible, like banking, to avoid using Google at some point or somewhere along the line, be it Gmail, doesn't matter what you do. And Google are introducing a whole lot of new stuff. They've unveiled their new version of Android called Android P. Um, hasn't got its official name, but this is standard for their, their conference. They launched the, the the, the the alphabet letter P, and then they wait and see whether they can come up with a a sweetie or a sweet or a confectionery name like the last one was Oreo, and they've had all Kit Kat, and they've had a whole lot lot of really interesting names for their operating system. But Android is by far the biggest operating system for phones globally. It's available on a vast number of phones. It has one huge problem though, because it's available on so many phones, cheap phones, expensive phones, so many different variants. A lot of companies do not update those phones for many, many, many years after they, or if ever, after launch. But Android P is a really new operating system. And they are moving into, again, everyone's doing AI, but they've brought a lot of new features to uh, Android P. One of them being that um, you guys spend a lot of all of us, not just you, everyone spends a lot more, a lot of time on their phone, and they are becoming harder and harder to put down. Now, many a dinner table or many a restaurant you wander into, and you just see all the people sitting around a table. Why go to a restaurant to sit behind your cell phone, all four people at the table, and tap away rather than enjoy the meal, enjoy the conversation? Well, Android have actually identified this, and um, they've come up with a new Android dashboard that shows you the information about how much time you've been using your phone. And there's also a new app timer system. This is all in the new Android P operating system. And a shush feature, which will turn on do do not disturb and mute the screen and get you away from the phone, um, you know, in in, in, uh, a slightly more sophisticated way. But basically they're saying move away from the phone when it doesn't work and do it. Um, They've also done a lot more AI-type features. This is something that is coming more and more in phones, but essentially, basically, they'll be using these sort of smart machine learning type things to improve your battery life, to improve your brightness, to make, you know, to, keep, to again, part of battery life. But certainly, some phones, some Android phones, they're either bright or dark. They don't seem to smoothly move between the various brightnesses. Well, they've apparently improved that enormously. They've also start introduce something called app standby buckets. So basically it looks at all the apps you use. The ones that you use most often will keep them alive, keep them um, sort of in available for you instantly. So when you open up an app in Android, it'll be there v- instantly. But apps that you don't use or haven't used for many, many months, and a lot of them run in the background. This is something that most people forget is that once an app's on your phone, Normally, no one reads the permissions. You give them permission to run in the background, and they sit there, and they poll the various websites. They do certain things in the background, use a little bit of battery, stay alive, use your memory, and generally clog up your phone for something that you probably only use once a week or maybe once a month or perhaps 
Never. You've just downloaded the app and you just don't delete it. So this new app standby bucket thing will classify the apps on that basis. The ones you use daily will be right up front, will have access to full system resources, the full battery. They will tend to work as quickly as they did in the past. But um, the apps that you don't use will be pushed back to um, to a sort of bucket where they don't have any access to your system. They don't mess around with your battery. They don't have anything to do. And it might just take a second or two to get them going. But definitely, definitely you're going to see um, a big improvement in battery life. And uh, moving on to probably the most exciting part of the whole thing. I'm just trying to find. I had it here. I've got it. Um, I'm just going to play you something now. This was one of the biggest announcements, and it's brought the hugest reaction. But now listen to Sendai Pichar. He is the CEO of um, of Google. He's going to introduce something that I think is going to change everything. And I want you to particularly try to figure out which is the computer and which is the human. But listen to this. This is really pretty amazing. Craig, can we switch across? The progress with the assistant. As I said earlier, our vision for our assistant is to help you get things done. It turns out a big part of getting things done is making a phone call. You may want to get an oil change schedule, maybe call a plumber in the middle of the week, or even schedule a haircut appointment. You know, we are working hard to help users through those moments. We want to connect users to businesses in a good way. Businesses actually rely a lot on this, but even in the U.S., 60% of small businesses don't have an online booking system set up. We think AI can help with this problem. So let's go back to this example. Let's say you want to ask Google to make you a haircut appointment on Tuesday between 10 and noon. What happens is the Google Assistant makes the call seamlessly in the background for you. So what you're going to hear is the Google Assistant actually calling a real salon to schedule the appointment for you. Let's listen. Hello, how can I help you? Hi, I'm calling to book a woman's haircut for a client. Um, I'm looking for something on May 3rd. Sure, give me one second. Mm-hmm. Sure, what time are you looking for around? At 12 p.m. We do not have a 12 p.m. available. The closest we have to that is a 1.15. Do you have anything between 10 a.m. and uh, 12 p.m.? Depending on what service she would like, what service is she looking for? Just a woman's haircut for now. Okay, we have a 10 o'clock. 10 a.m. is fine. Okay, what's her first name? The first name is Lisa. Okay, perfect. So I will see Lisa at 10 o'clock on May 3rd. Okay, great. Thanks. Great. Have a great day. Bye. That was a real call you just heard. The amazing thing is the assistant can actually understand the nuances of conversation. We've been working on this technology for many years. It's called Google Duplex. It brings together all our investments over the years in natural language understanding, deep learning, text-to-speech. 
By the way, when we are done, the assistant can give you a confirmation notification saying your appointment has been taken care of. Let me give you another example. Let's say you want to call a restaurant, but maybe it's a small restaurant which is not easily available to book online. The call actually goes a bit differently than expected. So take a listen. See how may I hear you? Hi, um, I'd like to reserve a table for Wednesday the 7th. For seven people? Um, it's for four people. Four people when? Um, Wednesday, Wednesday at 6 p.m. Oh, actually we leave here for like upper like five people. For few, four people you can come. How long is the wait usually to uh, be seated? For when tomorrow or weekday or? For next Wednesday, uh, the 7th. Oh, no, it's not too busy. You, you, you can count on four people, okay? Oh, I gotcha. Thanks. Bye-bye. Well, can you believe it? That was two instances where Google Assistant made an actual phone call to two different places, and the second one, I, I couldn't understand what that person was saying. I mean, the Chinese accent was quite strong, and it was really difficult to try to understand what's going on. But that is how far computers have become. That is how smart Google Assistant can become. This is a new product called Google Duplex. It's not available yet, but they and they say that those were two calls that went pretty well. They had a couple that went completely not the way they should have gone. But essentially, this is a view into a technology where it's going to be incredibly difficult to know when the phone rings, whether you're talking to a computer or you're talking to a person. And many commentators around the world have actually freaked out about this and said, this is not right. How can you have a computer that sounds so human, that can in, that can interact with a person with pauses and ums and ahs and, and really get the context of what's going on? Um, and it could be a real problem, could be used for all sorts of things that perhaps wouldn't be good. And Google have already responded by saying that in future, the Google Assistant will identify itself, say, hi, this is a computer, this is Google Assistant speaking, I'd like to make an appointment for a haircut. So the person on the other side knows they're not dealing with a real person. But still, the the sheer scale, <coughs> scope, and ability of what computers can do in the future is just absolutely mind-boggling. I'd expect to see more and more and more of this. I mean, there's talk about that in a few minutes, but at Microsoft, Cortana, that's their voice assistant, and Alexa, which is um, Amazon's voice assistant, have been given the ability to interact with each other. And uh, things like that are starting to become more and more relevant. So if you've used Google Assistant on your phone, Google, a voice search has become a thing. It really does work amazingly well. And you can ask quite complex, difficult questions. It's not the same as when you type. You know, when you type a Google search, you say, search for uh, shops in Sandringham. Or I want a, uh, you know, I don't know, whatever it is here. With voice, you say, are there any shops near me? You don't even have to say where you are because the phone knows where you are. The computer generally knows where you are. So you say restaurants near me and it gives you all the restaurants near you uh, and things like that. So imagine where this is all going. There's going to be incredible amount of um, work going in this space. And 
Again, Google Assistant is going to be integrating to Google Maps later this year, which means you'll be able to go to your ma- in Maps when you're navigating and say, please navigate me to here, but take me via there. And the Maps will just get it and send you there. And talking about Maps, Google also announced a couple of really, really cool upgrades. And one of the biggest problems I've gotten, I mean, when I've traveled and I've been overseas and I've been using Google Maps for walking directions, the hardest thing is to know which way you should go. It's all great to know that you're going to go from here to there, but you're in a strange place. You don't know where you are, so it's very difficult to know which way you should go. So then you start walking, and you just watch the map, and you see, oh, now I'm going the wrong way because it's not going the way the map should be going. So you turn around, and you go the other way, and everyone thinks, "Uh aha, there goes the tourist again. He's lost. doesn't have his coming or going. Well, they fixed that. Using your camera and using your GPS – it's now going to end all the stuff that they've got recorded on, on, on Google Earth. It will now tell you exactly where you are and which way you should face for the directions that you want to go. And it will show you pictures on your screen with little arrows showing you exactly the way you should go, the way you should turn, the way you should do things. It's just such a cool, clever clever way of working and it will solve seriously a much 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 better uh, thing the other problem you often have is that you're in a city the gps is not working very efficiently because there's too many buildings generally the way gps works it needs a couple of satellites three or four satellites to triangulate where you are and if you haven't got line of sight for those satellites it gets a little bit vague and you notice the little blue dot wonders around your screen and it puts you a block this way a couple of meters that way it's not cool but now google maps is going to use your camera again and your the way that your camera is facing front and rear, and it'll be able to tell you exactly where you are. And using Google's positioning systems, it'll give you a virtual position of exactly where you should do with far greater accuracy. And um, I think that's just brilliant. And the last little creepy bit that they're talking about is that w- even when your maps are off, if you're using an Android phone or an, uh, an iPhone, iOS, and you've installed any of these Google services, Google knows where you are. It knows where you've been. It can track whatever you've you've gone, whatever you've done, and it can now start giving you suggestions based on where you've been, the places you've been to, the restaurants you've eaten in. And um, so when you open up maps and you say restaurants near me, it won't just be all the restaurants near me. You particularly don't like Chinese, and you've never been to a Chinese restaurant. It won't show you any Chinese restaurants. I mean... All this type of stuff really happens in the background. You don't even notice it's happening. But um, there you go. So (laughs) Google knows more about you because it's on your phone, because it's on your computer than you could ever imagine. And it's using that information really intelligently to help you navigate, help you find restaurants, help you get searches online that are far better or far more tuned to what you want to do so stay tuned for all this there's going to be a huge amount of stuff coming out of google over the next little while and um Apart from their Photos app, which they've improved dramatically, I don't know if you've noticed that, but already you're starting to see more and more suggestions and auto-compilations that are really slick and smooth coming through the the, uh, the Photos app. So all of these things are definitely coming in the next little while, and there's going to be a huge amount of of changes. Watch your updates, keep updating, and you're going to see more and more changes coming to your your 
your Android and your iOS phone over the next little while. And I actually can't wait for these new map updates because they really will make my life significantly better. And that was just a quick roundup of what happened at Google I.O. There was so much more. Self-driving cars, artificial intelligence, home assistance, you name it. All these type of little technological wonders that are definitely going to uh, affect our lives. Apparently, the rumor is Google Home, which is their and which is the Alexa version, is coming to South Africa really soon. They won't tell me when, but we should see it soon with all the bits and pieces that involves. Um, and now just quickly, because time is absolutely flying. And as you can hear, I get quite excited about all these new fancy sort of platforms and systems and smartness that technology is bringing. At the same time, just a few days later, Microsoft had their Build Developer Conference. And that was actually quite interesting. Um, much more of a techie conference. Microsoft, you know, everyone knows about Microsoft Windows. Windows is definitely still the biggest operating system in the world for computers, uh, not for phones anymore, but, and phones, you know, phones, Android and iOS pretty much rule that roost. And what Microsoft really, really did is not, not talk about Windows. They, Windows is their core, you know, interface that they use with the world. But what they did announce is that there's going to be a huge amount of interoperability between Windows and every other mobile platform and other platforms in the world. So, for example, the latest version of Windows, you can now um, start browsing on your computer, finish browsing on your phone, whatever phone that may be. Download um, the latest version of their browser on your phone, and you can continue browsing on your phone. You can do all sorts of things. So your phone syncs with Windows almost entirely um, with Android, obviously far better than iOS, but you can get an almost complete sync between your Android phone and your iPhone. And I've tried it on the iPhone. It works really well. And your Windows 10, you can send text messages, access your photos, view mobile notifications from your computer. And it really is a much greater integration between the two devices. And um, it's a smart move. And I think it's something that's well overdue. And we'll come back. I'll just, I've just got one or two more things I want to speak about Microsoft before we talk about my gadget of the week, which is a really cool one this week. Um, we'll be back with uh, all that info straight after this. Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose, 11 to 12 p.m., only on 101.9 IFM. Well, welcome back. And as I was going on about all the stuff happening at Google, I didn't leave much time for Microsoft. So there's two things I really want to mention. The first one is that um, they also announced at the at the Build conference Cortana, which is their personal assistant built into every Windows 10 device. I don't know if you've used Cortana, but try it. It's pretty smart and somewhat sassy, um, and it can do a lot of things, searches. You say, hey, Cortana, open Outlook, or hey, Cortana, send an email um, to Stephen in my phone book, and it does it. It's pretty good. It's not quite in the league of Google Assistant, in my opinion, not in some ways as slick as Siri, but it works pretty well. Well, Google, uh, Google, Microsoft's Cortana and Alexa, which is the by far the smartest and most sort of broad voice assistant not available in South Africa yet from Amazon, the Alexa, hey Alexa, um, are, are getting to talk to each other. So Microsoft announced that the two are talking to each, to each other. And what you can do is you can speak with Cortana through an Amazon Echo. So if you go to your Amazon Echo and say, hey, Alexa, open up Cortana, it will then 
open Cortana and you can talk to Cortana and get whatever Cortana needs to do. And if you're on a Microsoft device like your laptop and you say, um, hey, Cortana, open Alexa, it'll open up Alexa and you can start using all the Alexa uh, benefits and, and, and things that Alexa can do because perhaps your home lighting system only works with Alexa, not with Cortana. You can do it through your laptop, which is pretty smart. It's still in beta. It's not available yet. Again, Alexa is not available in South Africa. No news when it's coming. If it'll come, who knows? But it is by far the the largest installed base of uh, the home assistant or voice assistant with all the um, Amazon Echoes that you can put around the house. You can control your lighting, the platforms you control. You open your front door. You can do the most remarkable things. Turn on your washing machine. Check what's in the fridge. The smart home thing is just a whole another league. But anyway, so now they're all talking to each other. And the last thing that I really want to mention around Microsoft is Windows 10 update has, I cautioned people a week or two ago to say that it was a bug. Um, that bug's been fixed. I can attest to that. I've downloaded the latest update. No more problems. No more freezing using Chrome. No more random shutdowns. There's no question they've got that one right. So the time has come to update your Windows 10 to the latest fall update. Fall because... Uh, well, our winter or spring or I forget, it's all these northern southern things. But there is the latest April update from Microsoft, and it's well worth a download. They've smoothed out, slicked up, and improved Windows 10 enormously. And one feature that I really want to uh, mention is something called Timeline. They've introduced Timeline for Windows 10. And what you can do, and a little button pops up on your your taskbar and allows you to see every single app, every single website that you've used for the last month. And it's pretty useful. You can then visually see a little screenshot of that particular website. What was I looking for? I was looking for such and such. And you can't remember the name of a website. Well, scroll through your timeline. There it is. Click on it and off you go. And what they announced at Build is that they're going to make that available across iOS and Android phones. So, you know, you were on your computer at home, you were looking for something, you clean forgot what it was. Well, you can go back when you're out on your phone, scroll through the timeline and click on the website or the app. That's even more impressive. And it'll open the equivalent app on whatever platform you're on. So switch on your Windows 10. Just get ready for a little bit of a download. Download the update. They fixed the major issues that they've had. And there are a host of new features well worth um well worth using. There's a lot more that was announced, but I think we have to call it a day for the moment on that. But really, uh, all these platforms are getting smarter, faster, and in my my estimation, a lot more useful for everybody. Now, my gadget of the week. This is always a really useful thing, and I can see, unfortunately, I've pretty much run out of time. But I've got enough time to talk about a brand new device from Fitbit. It is called the Fitbit Versa. Now, the Versa for me, I think, is going to be the biggest device that Fitbit has launched in quite a long time. Essentially, the Fitbit Versa is a watch. It is a smart watch. It looks like a cool little pebbly watch. In fact, my kids said to me, oh, is that the new Apple Watch? I said, no, it's not. And the reason and the benefit of this is that it is, in fact, a full activity tracker which Fitbit is really famous for. It's got everything you would want uh, in an activity tracker, and then it's got a lot more. It comes with a really, it's sort of a pebbly-looking, round, 
smartphone, a smartwatch without, it's not terribly thick. It's also incredibly light and incredibly comfortable. You can sleep with it because it's got some brilliant sleep tracking through the app. And it's very, very, very light and comfortable. The only criticism I do have is that the supplied strap is just a plain plastic strap and it does look a little bit cheap well the good news is for a little bit extra money you can get a whole host of really cool interesting and good looking and somewhat higher quality straps so don't let that hold you back but the benefit of the smartwatch is 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 multifold it's got a really really nice screen um, very impressed you can see it in broad daylight you can change the uh, interface the front and in fact fnb announced um, yesterday that they are working with fitbit and with Garmin to enable uh, pay through the watch. And this phone, this watch, the Fitbit Versa, has got uh, a Fitbit paid. So in other words, what you'll do, instead of using your card, you'll simply tap your watch to the terminal, and it'll read everything it needs, and you'll be able to pay through your watch. And on the phone, you just tap authorize. So that's coming to South Africa. And the other major benefit um, of the Fitbit Versa, apart from really good heart tracking, really good activity tracking, some useful apps. It does not have the apps of the of the of the Google Gear and the Apple Watch. Not even close to the number of apps, but it does allow full notifications. So when you get a notification on either your Android or iOS phone, it pops up on the screen. You can interact with them, not in quite the same way, but you can interact with them. You can reply to some of them, but generally it's 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 more than good enough. Um, and there are a host of interesting apps, not all of the ones you want, uh, but it, it is a, a whole host of Fairly useful apps, sports, news, travel, transit apps, um, and a couple for fitness, which I haven't quite figured out yet. But what it can do, it can track, auto-track up to 15 exercises. So when you start swimming, it's waterproof. You can use it. Um, it'll automatically figure out which is um, doing. If you start running, it'll pick, figure it out for you, biking, the same thing. Um, it also has a really interesting female health mode, which uh, I think is new. And, in fact, for women... I've shown this to, and in fact, my wife wore it for a bit. They re- it's really an attractive, put the right strap on. It's really not a big, ugly smartwatch. It doesn't look terribly technological, which is a great thing. It also has one other benefit, four days plus battery life. I've been wearing it. Generally, I need to charge it every three, four days, which is great. So you, And the benefit of that is with most of these other watches, you have to charge them overnight. So you can't sleep with them. Uh, unless you charge them before you go to sleep, which is a pain. But this one you absolutely can. You wear it for four days. It charges really, really, really quickly. Um, And the sleep tracking is really important. I mean, I found it really does show me, you know, the quality of my sleep, what I'm doing, what I'm not doing. Um, And it's really very, 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 very useful from that point of view. And of all these smart fitness tracker type watches that I've used, this one just seems to hit all the, the buttons right. The screen is great. The The quality of the information, you can change all sorts of interesting uh, watch faces. I haven't used too many of the apps, but you can load up to about 20 minutes worth of music on it or an hour, depending on what you want. So it's just got all the elements of a really, really good smartwatch. And here's the kicker. The price, it's under 3,000 Rand for a really high-quality device that has all the fitness tracking you could possibly hope for 
and most of the smartwatch features that you would want, the useful ones. And I'll be back just to round that up straight after this. Hi FM Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. Well, welcome back. Let me just wrap up the whole story around the Fitbit Versa. One, it's available right now across all Fitbit people or shops that sell Fitbit in South Africa. So you can get a Dion Wired, all the various sports stores, pretty much seen it everywhere. It comes in three different models. It comes in a black aluminium. It comes in sort of a goldy, pinky aluminium. A rose, they call it rose gold. It looks pinky more than gold, but anyway, you can get it in a rose gold or a silver. Um, I'm playing with a black one right now, which I find pretty unobtrusive and, 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 and nice looking. But I think the rose gold would certainly appeal to a whole lot of people. And the silver is very classic and very simple. They come with a matching band. So the silver's got a silver band. The rose gold's got a slightly pinky, sort of peachy gold um, colored band. The other thing really which has impressed me no end is just the sheer versatility of it. It works flawlessly, integrated straight away, took off my other Fitbit, put this one on, didn't lose anything. And this is something a lot of people... Um, are worried about what happens if it goes flat um, while you're wearing it and you don't get a chance to charge it um, well it stores even when it's flat up to seven days of detailed data and up to 30 days worth of daily data so you don't lose anything um, and it checks your heart rate every one second so it's continuously on always working and um Exercise tracking is every five seconds. So it keeps all this information on the phone. You charge it up, sync it again. It auto-syncs with your phone and updates everything. And the charging little platform is also quite smart. Many times it's happened to me. My my other, my Apple Watch has slipped off its charger and it didn't charge overnight. And it's pretty useless the next day with no power. Well, this one clips onto the phone and holds it nice and firm. And it charges really quickly. Within an, within 20 minutes, you can pretty much run three three days no problem whatsoever. So highly recommended as a fitness tracker. If you've got another type of watch and you just want a normal fitness tracker, the other Fitbits, the Ulta and the HR are, are really cool. But if you're looking for a really good combination of smartwatch with all the notifications and everything that smartwatches bring, um, along with, you know, really, really excellent fitness tracking, it's not the ultimate runner's watch, but it is certainly a very, very good fitness, casual sort of fitness watch. The new Fitbit Versa is highly recommended, and the price is, I think, a really sweet spot. Under 3,000 Rand for a top-notch watch. The bands are anywhere between 400 and 800 Rand, all the various ones, and some really nice ones, like a fabric-looking one. There's a leather band, you know, so you can really accessorize it quite well. And it doesn't look terribly geeky which is for me a huge plus it doesn't look like a a geek smartwatch it's not very big it doesn't look silly on a man's wrist and it certainly doesn't look oversized on a lady's wrist so i think fitbit have finally found a product that is pretty universal in its application it does everything you want out of a fitness tracker definitely warns you to get off the couch and get those extra 250 steps um, and the other thing it links to discovery so you get all your points for walking you get all your points for heart rate um, and it's all there in one really cool easy to use lightweight and pretty attractive little package so that's the fitbit versa and on that note i can see that we have once again run out of time 
Um, and we'll be back next week with more gadgets, more gizmos, and more information on the latest in tech. This is Stephen Ambrose for Tech Talk right here on High FM.